All right. Well, hey, it is so good to be in church today. I love seeing your bright and shiny faces, especially when it's like springtime at the beginning of March, right? It has been a great winter spring. Come on. Can we praise God for that? Come on, somebody. So I'm enjoying today, and I'm excited that you're here. But today we're going to continue our Jesus Is series. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 10. I believe the Lord has a word for you this morning. And we've been taking the eight weeks leading up to Easter to go through the seven I am statements in the gospel of John. And by giving us these I am statements, uh, Jesus is identifying himself with God, whose personal name is Yahweh, or I am who I am. And these uh, statements tell us a lot about Jesus and who he is. And so far, we've seen that he is the bread of life, and he's the light of the world. And now today, we're going to see his third I am statement in John 10, verses 1 through 10. So let's go ahead and read it here. He says this, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In this figure of speech, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The sermon title this morning, if, you, if you're taking notes, and I still hope you are, is The Door. I'm going to keep hoping every week that you're taking notes. The Door is the sermon title. Let's go ahead and pray before we dig in. So Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. Uh, we thank you for every heart that's in this room. God, we don't take it for granted, the people that are here, and we pray that you'd speak to every person. I pray that every person would get a word from you this morning and would walk out encouraged and challenged. So Lord, we are listening to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, it was the fall of my senior year of high school, and I was trying to decide what college I was going to go to. And, and I was praying through a few different places, but, but at this point, I decided I was going to go... Like, or most likely to the University of Iowa. And, and the plan was to go with my best friends from high school. We would get a house together. I would study pre-law, and we would party a lot, as the University of Iowa is kind of known for. And my plan got thrown for a wrench when I was at this party, and I met this girl who was going to the University of Northern Iowa. I'd never thought about you and I before that. I thought it was kind of like the lame little sister of the University of Iowa. I'm like, if I'm going to an Iowa school, I'm going to the big one, not going to you and I. But I kind of liked this girl, and I liked what she said about you and I, so I said, okay, I'll go visit you and I. I literally just met this girl. We never really talked a whole lot after this. It's very weird how the senior boy's mind works, but I visited you and I a few weeks later. I'm there checking it out, and actually what I did is I visited uh, the U of I first, and then, the <clears throat> and then you and I the week after, and at excuse me, so at the U of I, I just felt this sense in my spirit that I wasn't supposed to go there, and then at U and I, it just felt like it was home for me. I felt like even in this season when I was partying and, and not really living for the Lord, I could like hear the Holy Spirit calling me to U and I, and, uh, and so I decided to go to U and I, and it's crazy to think about the fact that 
know, that my life would look radically different today had I not met that girl at that party and decided to come to you and I. I likely never would have gotten connected to Chi Alpha. I never would have met my wife, Emily, who I met at the very first Chi Alpha service. I never would have became the director of Chi Alpha at you and I, and I never would have planted Scent Church here in Cedar Falls. I don't even know if I ever would have really come to Cedar Falls for anything. All these things can be traced back to, or to a decision to go to a party and talk to some random girl who was going to you and I. Even the smallest decisions can radically change the trajectory of our lives. And this morning, what I want to propose to you is that the most impactful decision you'll ever make, and it's not just a one-time decision, it's a daily decision, but the most impactful decision that you'll ever make is what you do with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay, how you respond to him and how you relate to him. And we've already seen in this series that, that Jesus made some jaw-dropping claims about who he is. He claimed to be Yahweh, who is the bread of life and the light of the world. He claimed to be the very same God who appeared to Moses in a burning bush and then freed the Israelites from Egypt and split the Red Sea wide open, fed the Israelites with bread from heaven, just bread falling from heaven. He led them through, or he led them through the wilderness by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire, a pillar of fire by night. He, he claimed to be that same Yahweh. He claimed to be Yahweh in the flesh. In John 10, he makes another striking claim. He says this in verse nine. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He is the door. What does he mean by this? And honestly, if I'm being straight with you, before I really dug in this week, I didn't always quite understand what he meant by this and never really did the work to figure it out. But now I'm preaching on it. So I think I figured it out a little bit. So, so the question is, what does he mean by this? And, and, and to fully grasp what he's saying, we need to understand the context in which he makes this statement. Okay, so just before John 10, here's something, it's just a free thing for you. Before John 10 is John 9, okay, so you're learning some Bible today. In John 9, uh, or Jesus heals a blind man, and the Pharisees are mad at him. Why? Well, because he performed a miracle on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. They could not understand why he would work on a day of rest and did not think that he could possibly be sent by God. And they proceed to question the blind man, and, and the man responds by saying that Jesus must have come from God if he was able to do such a thing like open his eyes. And they did not like that explanation, and they decided to cast him out. It says this in verse 34. It says, they answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Okay, so then after this, Jesus, he seeks the man out, and he reveals himself to be the son of God, and the man worships him. He then says this to the man in verse 39. It says, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see or think they see may become blind. In other words, he came to judge those who claim to see but don't actually see. They actually reject him like the Pharisees. And he came to open the eyes of those whose hearts are ready to believe in him like the blind man was. Okay, so it's in this context that Jesus gives us a parable in verses one through five. So he starts with a parable here about sheep. And it's important to notice that this parable contains sheep, a shepherd, a door, and thieves. And in the verses that come after this parable, Jesus is going to give us two I am statements. The first one this week, the second one next week. So the first one is I am the door, and then he's gonna say that he's the shepherd. Okay, so this week I'm gonna focus on his role as the door. I'm gonna try to stay there and not get off to next week because then I won't have anything to say next week. 
and there'll be no point in listening to me. So I'll save that for next week, but today is the door. I'll focus on that role, okay? So, okay, with that in mind, I want to look at the parable again. It says this. Let's just read it again. Let's take it in. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Okay, so this is a picture that actually would have been very familiar to John's readers. Uh, The sheep pen. It's not a fenced-in pen, but it's a walled enclosure that is open to the sky. It prevented predators from being able to look into the pen and from being able to come in. It would have been about six feet high, so about how tall I am, and would have had one door for access. And this is where the shepherd would go in and out. So let's show a picture of a sheep pen. It's a great picture. I found that on Google Images. There you go. So only the shepherd could go through the gate. And the sheep would immediately be able to recognize the shepherd's voice. It's actually staggering the relationship of a shepherd and sheep. But as I said, I'll talk about that more next week. Um, but the point is, all the shepherd had to do was, was call out their name and, and they would follow his voice. The, uh, the shepherd didn't need to drive the sheep or push the sheep, but they would willingly follow the shepherd. And those whose interest was stealing or hurting the sheep would have to come through a different way, not through the gate, but instead try to climb over top. And and Jesus is using this parable to make a point about what just happened in chapter nine. Okay, so the blind man is like the sheep. The thieves are the religious leaders who were mad that the blind man was healed on the Sabbath and cast him out. And Jesus is both the shepherd and the gate who lovingly led the blind man to freedom in life. So with that in mind, let's look at the statement about the, the door or the gate in verse 7. It says this, it says, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, so Jesus is contrasting the door that protects the sheep with the thieves and robbers who try to hurt the sheep. Okay, the thieves are out for their own gain, and they have come to steal, kill, and destroy, but the door leads people to life. And Jesus is saying that he is like a door that that takes people to abundant life. He's the exclusive way to knowing God and to living the life that you were created to live. He's the only way. He's the only entry point to life to the full. Jesus is the door to life. And in verse nine, we see that as the door, he plays two roles. And the first is found in the first half of that verse. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will be saved. So the first role that he plays as the door is he saves us, he protects us from predators. As we talked about before, the door in the sheep pen would only be used by the shepherd who the sheep just love and adore, and they know him. Oftentimes, the shepherd himself would function as the door as he would sleep by the door at night to keep the predators out. He would stay there. And the door, it symbolized safety for the sheep. Only the shepherd who the sheep trusted would come through that door. And Jesus is saying that he plays that same role for each of us. Jesus is the door that protects us from predators. 
And the most obvious way that he protects us is by taking on our sin on the cross. Each of us deserve to die for our sin, right? We deserve it. We have sinned against God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. We deserve to die because we have rebelled against God. We deserve to be separated from him forever. However, Jesus, God himself, comes and dies in our place. He takes the predator of sin on himself. Come on, somebody. I'm about to start preaching. Start talking about this kind of stuff. I'm gonna get going, right? It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. He never sinned once, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a pretty good deal. On the cross, Jesus takes on our sins so we could become righteous in God's sight. He literally stands in the way of death and takes it on himself so we can live. Okay, Jesus is the door that keeps the predator of sin and death out. But that's not all. He also keeps out the predator of evil from our lives. He comes to our defense against spiritual and worldly forces that seek to do us harm. He is actively guarding us against evil and attacks that would send a shiver down your spine if you knew about them. But he is protecting us from things that, that would honestly kill us if we knew. Right? He's standing in the way of the devil and his demons in many ways. Every good and perfect thing comes down from God. Okay? So if we didn't have Jesus active in this world, this world would be hell. But every good thing comes from him. So because he's active, we are protected from so many things that we don't even know about. And we're given so many good things. He keeps the predator of evil out of our lives. Paul says it this way in 2 Thessalonians. He says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Okay, so the Lord is actively and faithfully guarding you against the evil one. You, every single one of you, he's guarding you from the evil one. Okay, this is them is that Jesus is drawing when he tells us that he is the door of the sheep. He protects us from predators. Okay, but this was not the only thing that Jesus meant when he said that he's the door. His second role as the door is found in the back half of verse nine. It says, and we'll go in and out and find pasture. Okay, the door not only symbolized security and protection, but was also the gateway to open pastures where the sheep could go out and roam and find food and prance and do whatever it is that sheep do. It was the pathway to wide open spaces of abundance and provision. Okay, the back half of verse 10 captures this. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, the door leads the sheep to pastures of abundance and life. In the same way, Jesus is the door that ushers us into abundant life. Through his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, Jesus makes it possible for us to walk in right relationship with God. The God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies, the God who spun the cosmos into existence, he makes it possible for us to have right relationship with him. And despite our sin and our junk and our mistakes, we can be made whole and step into the life that each of us were created to live. And we can live an abundant life, right? Not just like an okay life, an abundant life. And don't get me wrong here, by abundant life, I'm not saying he makes a doorway to materialism and self-fulfillment, and anything you ever wanted, right? Actually, that would not be an abundant life because those things don't deliver on what they promise. That would actually be a shallow life. 
Instead, he's saying that, that we can walk through this world with joy that can't be taken from us. Come on, somebody. Freedom and power, knowing that the God of the heavens loves us, is for us, and he lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And we can walk through this world like a big old fat, content sheep, prancing around, my shepherd's got my back. Come on. Just like a little, like not cocky, right? Not arrogant, but, but a little bit of a jump in your step. Like, come on, my shepherd's right here. I ate a lot of food today. I feel really good right now. I'm going to pass out and take a little nap. Right? That's how we can walk through this world because we know that the shepherd has our back. Jesus is the door that leads us into abundance. And we and when we walk through the door that is Jesus, we step into this abundant life. However, Jesus is not the only door that is offered to us in life. There's a lot of doors we can walk through. In John 10, these other doors are symbolized by the thieves and the robbers who are trying to climb over the wall. Okay, so Jesus was likely specifically referring to the different types of leaders who promised to give life to the Jews during this time. Okay, so one of which was the Pharisees that we met in John 9. And they promised that if people followed all their man-made religious rituals, then they could have life. Another group of leaders that Jesus likely had in mind was the revolutionary leaders or the zealots who wanted to lead Israel into conflict with Rome. They're like, let's you know, take up our arms. Let's go and take down Rome. And they thought that if Israel walked through the door of a military coup, then they could find the life that they longed for. And still a, another group of leaders was the Sadducees, who wanted Israel to kind of submit to Rome so they could keep their power and wealth kind of to Rome. Like, hey, let's kind of cozy up to them. And they thought that could give them gain. And these were all the other doors that were being offered to the Jews at the time. But these things actually stole from people. And they did not deliver on what they promised. It was very tempting for the Jews of Jesus' day to take these other doorways to life Again, but they could never deliver on what they promised. So in the same way, we face our own alternative doors to life today. And we're tempted to pursue these alternative doors. And these doors take several different shapes. I could go on for hours just ranting about all the different doors that are promising us life. I'll just list a few. I think there's like 10. Okay. So money and wealth, more money. Oh, I'll, I'll be fine if I get more money. Or if I save up more, if I, if I have more wealth, you know, comfort, sex, achievement, power, political power is a big thing right now. If we could just have more political power, then everything would be great. Or personal power, if I just had more power over people or had more say about how things go in my life. Fame, oh, if I could get famous on Instagram, everything would change. I could just get 100 likes on a post. I'm, I don't think I've ever gotten that on Instagram. I'm not very popular on Instagram. Anyways, I'm just rambling today. It's okay. Forgive me. Uh, family, that's a big thing. Family is not a bad thing, but, but a lot of times we think we can find life through having like the perfect family or pleasure. I could go on. And these things aren't bad things, so, so don't get me wrong. If they're submitted under Jesus, it's not bad to have money. It's not bad to be comfortable or have sex inside marriage or to achieve or to have a high level or to have a level of power or influence or fame or a great family or pleasure. These things aren't all bad. However, it is a sin to view these things as doorways to life. If they take the place of God as your door, then they've become sin. We cannot put our hope in these things. 
And they're not meant to be our pathway to fulfillment and meaning. They can't hold up under that weight. If they become our doors, they're going to leave us wounded and hurting just like the blind man at the hand of the religious leaders. Okay, for example, if we try to find our life in money or wealth, uh, then we're always going to need more to feel content. It's never going to be enough. If we put our hope in comfort, we will say no to things that God is asking us to do because it's uncomfortable. Here's the thing. The way of the Lord is often very uncomfortable, but it's the way to life at the same time. It's interesting. If we try to find life in sex, we will always be seeking out one more experience to feel satisfied, but instead we'll be left with a gaping hole in our hearts that won't deliver. If we put our hope in politics, we will fall into despair when our candidate doesn't win. Like the day after the election is like the worst day of our life. No, I'm going to die. Or if our policy objective doesn't win out, uh, we'll fall into despair. If we find our meaning in fame, we will become someone we never wanted to be in search of more likes. I could go on and on. These things cannot provide the life that they promise. And there's only one door that leads to life, and Jesus is that door. He's the door that your heart longs to go through. He's the door that actually takes you to abundant pastures. He's the door that can deliver on what he promises. He won't hurt you or abuse you or take something from you. Instead, he will protect you from sin, death, and evil, and he will, and he will lead you into life and abundance and provision. So the question is, have you stepped through the door yet? Have you walked through the door that is Jesus? Your willingness to walk through that door will have a massive impact on your life for better or for worse. Have you walked through his door or are you choosing some alternative door? Hear me. I'm not just talking about praying a one-time prayer of salvation, like, hey, I put my faith in Jesus, I've come into the family of God, it's a one-time thing. Instead, I'm talking about a daily decision to go to Jesus and let him be your source of life and satisfaction. I'm talking about waking up each morning and choosing to let him be your, your source of purpose and meaning. Have you stepped through that door yet? If you do, and when you do, two, or two wonderful things will happen. And we see this in the story of the blind man in John 9. Okay, before meeting Jesus, the blind man was blind for his entire life. He had always lived in utter darkness. Just think about that. Utter darkness his whole life. And at this time in Jewish history, it was thought that to be born with a disability like blindness meant that you were cursed by God, like God had it out for you. It meant that there must have been some secret sin in your life or in your family's life that caused the blindness. Okay, so he had grown up his whole life with people whispering about him. Okay, what did this man do or what did his family do to deserve this curse? And the disciples even thought this way. We see this in verse two. It says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Okay, so being Jewish and blind meant that he was not only disabled physically but ostracized communally. It typically meant that you would be excluded from the temple and from religious life. And it's quite possible, get this, that this healing investigation by the priest was the very first time that the healed man ever stepped foot into the temple and got to interact with the priest. 
The first time he's being investigated for his healing. Okay, with that in mind, prior to meeting Jesus, this blind man not only suffered from blindness, but from great shame and despair. He had no sense of identity or belonging or purpose. And it's in this context that Jesus Christ steps onto the scene and starts putting some mud in his eyes, which sounds like fun. Let's look at it, verse six. Well, first he spits on the mud, which makes it better. It says, having said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Come on, somebody. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. As the blind man walked through Jesus' door, he experienced healing both from his disability, but also from his shame. So Jesus got in and healed the wounds of his past. And the same can happen for us. When we step through the door that is Jesus, he heals the wounds of our past. Because he died on the cross, because he paid the penalty for our sins, we can be forgiven no matter what we've done. And you might be thinking right now, well, what about this thing that I did? Yeah, that thing too. He can forgive you of anything you've ever done. Even our biggest mistakes, even our worst days can be wiped clean. And not just that, though. He can reach into those places that we've been hurt and wounded and bring healing and restoration. He can replace the shame and the wounds with love. On Friday night, I noticed that I couldn't hear out of my left ear. I like things to be perfect, especially with my body. So if anything's like a little weird, I'm like, oh, what's going on? So I started to panic and I started trying all these tricks. I tried like, I think like a, a thousand tricks on how to pop your ear so I could hear. Because I thought it was just filled with, I mean, it was filled with fluid. I, I had a sickness this week. And I was trying to pop it. And eventually my ear started to throb with pain. I'm like, oh no, I did something to it. I guess like blowing like this for like an hour. It could be bad. All that pressure in your ear. I don't know. And then all of a sudden this, this bloody ooze stuff, or, or stuff starts to ooze out. I'm like, okay, this isn't good. So I went to the doctor yesterday morning and found out that it ruptured my eardrum. So way to go. So if I sound weird today or I'm not listening to you, I promise it's not on purpose. But uh, so I ruptured my eardrum, so he gave me some eardrops and an an antibiotic. And it's been a pretty painful and frustrating couple of days. And this morning, I I put on a song that's just a beautiful song. And I I put it up to my ear to see if I could hear. And I could hear a little bit. And I I plugged this ear just to make sure. Oh, I'm starting to hear a little bit again. And as my ear was starting to, uh, to cooperate again, and as I thought about the sermon I'm preaching today with the blind man, uh, tears just started to trickle down my cheeks. And Emily comes in my office there, are you okay? I'm like, get out, get out. <laughs> Here's the thing, we don't realize how much we appreciate things until we lose them. I love music. I have my AirPods in all the time. Can't put it in right now because it's bloody in there, but soon, hopefully. I can't imagine what it meant uh, to this blind man when Jesus opened his eyes. There was so much pain and hurt associated with this blindness. But then Jesus steps in and he heals his wounds. And this is the first thing that happens when you step through the door that is Jesus. He gets in your business, gets in your past, and he begins to restore it. He begins to, to bring meaning and purpose out of it. That's not the only thing, though. When the blind man came back from the pool of Siloam, he could see clearly. After an an entire lifetime of being in darkness and not knowing which way to go, all of a sudden, light filled his eyes. And this was true not just 
uh, physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. As he could see, and as Jesus healed the wounds of his past, he had a renewed sense of purpose and destiny and confidence. He had a little bit of a pip in his step, right? So much so that he was able to stand up to the religious leaders and testify about Jesus. Okay, now that he's found the door, he's got nothing to fear. So I'll tell you who Jesus is. I think he came from God. He tells him straight up. He had a, a confidence and a sense of vision that he never had before. In the same way, when, when we step through the door that is Jesus, we can boldly walk into our future. We can confidently step into our futures. And we can leave the old behind and step into the new. Okay, no matter what we've done or where we've been, it doesn't matter. We can embrace God's future for our lives. It's a new day. Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because the Holy Spirit of God himself comes and lives on the inside of our hearts, we can leave the past behind and become the people that God created us to be. And while other doors are thieves that can't deliver on what they promise, Jesus holistically transforms us from the inside out. He wipes our past clean and ushers us into his future for our lives. And the only question is, will we step through that door? That's the question for today. Okay, so not long after I made the decision to attend you and I, I came to the end of myself. I've told this story many times, so I'm gonna keep telling it until I die, so you just gotta listen to it again. <laughs> I came to the end of myself, and I knew that I had to make a spiritual decision about what I would do with Jesus. And for so long, I, I was really trying to figure out how can you have Jesus and the things of the world? I know some of you are doing that. I'm not gonna call anyone out, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, just trying to figure out how can I have all the things that the world offers and Jesus at the same time? I wanted Jesus and all of the alternative doors. Not just one, I wanted like all of them. And I knew that I needed to pick one door. I felt so unworthy though to go through Jesus' door. I felt like I had sinned too much. I felt like that door was only for people who had it figured out. I felt like I failed too much. I felt like that door was only for people who did all the right things. I'd chosen so many wrong doors in the past. I, I wondered, would Jesus let me go through the door now? And in, it was in this moment of feeling so unworthy, the most unworthy I'd ever felt in my life, that Jesus came to me. In my moment of my deepest darkness, my deepest despair, my, my just being beside myself, that's when Jesus met me. That's when I met Jesus in living color and really got to know his heart. He told me that he would pull me through the door himself if I would simply let him. He would hoist me over his shoulders, kind of like a shepherd does with the sheep, which is next week, but anyways, and walk me through the door that, that, that takes me to life. All I had to do was let him pick me up. All I had to do was surrender. All I had to do was finally admit that I can't do it on my own, and I'm going to stop trying to take all the alternative doors to life. I'm only taking one door, and that door is Jesus. He's the way to life. He's the way to purpose and fulfillment and meaning. He's the way, not all these other things. He said, if you'll just make me your actual God, if you'll just come through my door, I'll, I'll carry you the whole way. In that moment, I surrendered to him and his love rushed into my heart and it just messed me up. I'm still not over it yet. I ain't gonna get over it either. 
The fact that he could love me, not just then, but now with all the mistakes and the things I do now, the fact that he could love me, it just, it just messed me up. I'm gonna keep telling as many people as I can about it. As he carried me through that door, I found security. Everything does not go perfectly. Sometimes your eardrum ruptures, right? Come on. Everything does not go perfectly. But I found security that the shepherd has my back. And the door is keeping out predators. And I found life, like the life with Jesus. It is hard sometimes. But man, it's abundant. It's way better than the shallow life that this world offers. He's protected me from so many predators and brought me out to wide open pastures. And that same security, that same life is available to you today. The King of Kings, he really, like deep in his heart, he wants to protect you from predators. He wants to do that. That's his heart towards you. He has good things for you. He's got good for you. Do you believe that? He wants to protect you from predators. He wants to lead you into life. He wants to take on your punishment for your sins. He wants to free you from death and bring you into eternal life. He wants to provide for your deepest needs and lead you into an overflowing life of love and joy and and bring you to that place of deep contentment. And the other doors, they won't be able to do it for you. So this morning, let Jesus carry you through that door. Surrender to him today. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, today is your day, right? Yesterday was your day, but today is your day, right? If you didn't do it yesterday, it's time today. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Let him be your king. Let him hoist you up on his shoulders. All you gotta do is turn from your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you. He's already died on your behalf. He's risen from the grave. If you accept him as your savior, you can be forgiven and step into or step into the resurrection life that he has made available for you. If you've already trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna encourage you to make sure, hear me right now, to make sure that Jesus is still your door. Is he still your door like he was at first? Or have you started looking around? Okay, what else is out there? Let him be your door. Do not allow alternative doors to steal your heart. And don't give into the lies of thieves and robbers. They will not deliver on what they promise. There's one king who can satisfy the deepest needs of your heart. There's one king that can bring you into life. Surrender or re-surrender to that Jesus today. Let him be your doorway and shut those other doors. Lock them. Shut those alternative false doors. He is the way to life. Come on, somebody. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet all across the room. Come on. Let's go. Stand up. I just believe that the Lord wants to meet with you this morning. He wants to encourage your heart. If we can be a church that, that finds its life and its security in Jesus alone, we will be a dangerous church. Right, nothing to fear, right? Nothing to be worried about, nothing to hold us back, right? We won't be afraid because we'll know that he is fighting off predators on our behalf, right? We won't be distracted by alternative doors. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, I don't want the world. I want Jesus. This church, 
That's our heart. We want Jesus. That's it. Oh, I'm about to start singing, but I'm not the worship leader, so I'm going to stop. If we make Jesus our door, we won't lose sight of our mission. Right? We won't lose sight of the urgency of the call to bring as many people through that door as possible. And we'll live the abundant life that he's called us to live, and that will be a witness to our cities as they see us living the life that each of us were created to live, as our friends and family who don't know Jesus see that they're gonna want in on it. If we can be a church that that truly walks through the door that is Jesus, we will be a dangerous church. All right, let's go ahead and pray right now. I just wanna encourage you in two ways. Let's have two ways to respond here. So if you wanna close your eyes and and bow your heads here at Scent Church, we we typically respond by, by raising a hand to respond to a couple questions. So the first one, is this, if you're here this morning and, and you never put your faith in Jesus Christ or you once have, but you've walked away from that and you need to make a recommitment today, I wanna give you a chance to do that. Walk through the door that is Jesus. Okay, so if that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, if you just uh, slip up your hand to heaven saying, hey, that's me, so I know who I'm praying for. Okay, one, two, three, go ahead, slip up all across this room. See that hand? Is there anyone else in this room right now? go ahead and put your hands down. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of repentance and of putting our trust in Jesus in church. Would you just pray with me in your heart as our friends are, are stepping into the family of God this morning? So, so right now, Lord, we just come to you. And, and for those that are wanting to put their faith in you for the first time or recommit themselves, I pray that you would do a supernatural work right now, something that, that doesn't make sense to our natural minds, but, but instead you would just like change our hearts, God, that you would make us a new creation just like you promised it in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that the old would be gone and the new would come. And God, we just uh, repent for our sins and the ways we've fallen short, but we thank you that you paid for all of that on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's give God praise right now for our friends who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. All right, so, so let's have one more way to respond here. And this one, actually, we'll just keep our eyes open, right? Let's just be bold here. This is, is for those of us in, in here who follow Jesus, but, but today you wanna make a, there's a fresh commitment saying, I'm gonna just go through one door. I'm not gonna try to keep a couple doors open, but Jesus is gonna be my door. He's my source, right? He's my source of life. If that's you, if you just wanna make a, a fresh commitment, let's just put up our hands like this to heaven or if you wanna put it up for any, just whatever. And, and let's just pray right now that, that there would be something that happens in our heart where, where Jesus just strengthens our resolve to make him our only door. So Lord, right now, I pray that you would do something supernatural on the inside of our hearts where we would just be strong in our commitment to say, you are our only door. We are resolved to say, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, all I want is Jesus. God, I pray that that this church would be a church that is just ferociously in love with you. We are not even tempted by the other doors. We just want you. We know that you are the place of life and meaning and fulfillment. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. All right, let's go ahead. Let's respond to the Lord. Some worship. The altars are open. The prayer team's available up here. Uh, Let's go ahead and respond to him.